Last week, we kicked this off by doing, uh, really by talking about the simplest, if you will, measures of compassion from another, right? The, the idea of helping someone just on the spur of the moment, you know, and, and setting another place at the table for a, a friend to stay over or, um, um, you know, helping someone out that just is down on their luck. Just the, the simplest things, opening a, a door for someone whose arms are full, that kind of thing. And we talked a little bit about the barriers to that and how we might become actually more compassionate to one another and do that more frequently. Okay, so those were the training wheels. This week we're going to talk about helping one another in a more meaningful way in the sense of more commitment and more dedication. And uh, this can take a variety of forms, but let me just read a few of them. In fact, I think Sharon started this out, really. If you think of the commitment that parents have to raising a child, think about this. This is truly giving in a profound way Something that normally lasts 18 years or 40, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, and, and it's something where you're really giving from the heart, but it is a huge commitment of time, of resources, of your entire life. But you know, that's only one example. What about taking care of an elderly parent? What about um, finding um, someone that you really care about that's had a medical emergency, which puts them out of work, which requires someone really physically to take care of them, taking them to the doctor, right? There are any number of life events that might happen where we are really called to step up and give of ourselves to be in service to family and friends in a very fundamental way. And I think it's worth separating this out a little bit because the reactions to it, if you will, our emotional reactions to it, can be a little different. Now, if it's something very simple, if it's just opening a car door for someone, if it's simply setting another place at the, at the table or, uh, or helping someone in need in a very organic kind of way, you sort of feel the return, if you will, right as you do it. It's that sense of giving right away, you, you know, flows back to you, I think. When it's something more profound, where it's something that really has that potential for taxing us, if you are like me, Sometimes it brings up feelings that are quite the opposite. Do you know what I mean? There can be that moment of terror when we go, oh my God, I'm in charge of blah, 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 blah. You know, someone's coming from the hospital on Wednesday and I have to be there for them. This is like a big deal. Or, or perhaps uh, uh, when someone is really direly in need financially, it really gives you pause. Can I really afford to help this person? So the thoughts that may come up are a little different. Initially, we may feel overwhelmed. We may feel scared. We might feel obligated. Like, if I don't do this, who will help? But I want to say that our initial feelings, much in the, the simpler example, in the end bring, a, uh, bring about a great reward. And in fact, perhaps because of the, the heightened uh, necessity of it, perhaps because of the commitment to it and the resources involved, maybe all of that goes towards also heightening the reward. Now, what is the reward, you might ask? It isn't just feeling good. I mean, you will, of course, you'll feel good for having gone through that experience and really helped someone out in a more fundamental way. But I think the reward is also a sense of greater unity, not just satisfaction, if you will, but really feeling connected with that other person 
and with life itself. And I'd like to use um, an example of perhaps how to work through some of the feelings that initially come up. Because I think we're all alike in many ways, and there are a couple impediments that I think are really common to everyone against taking on something fundamental like helping an elderly parent or deciding to take in foster children or something like that. And the first thing I think that we all might feel is that the scope of things is just too big that this is more than I can give, this is more energy than I have to expand, that this is going to use up all of my resources, that my emotions are just tapped out, right? And it takes the form on many levels, everything from the mental and physical activity involved, uh, as it does to literally your heart. You might feel that you just don't have it in here to give that much. So, so the first thing I think that we all share is that idea, this is just too big, you know, I'm sorry, it's going to have to be one of the other children that takes care of grandma. It's going to, do you know what I mean? Have you ever had those feelings of wanting to step up, but it just seemed impossibly large? The other thing, <laughs> if the thing can seem too large, the other aspect of it is that we feel too small. And this one also, I think, is equally common and equally as natural. We think, how can I, with you know, with the resources I have and the talents that I have, how can I step up in this fundamental way? I'm just too small to do this. You know, I don't have the training for it. I don't have the know-how to do it. I don't have the connections to do it. I don't have the money to do it. Whatever it is, even as the problem seems big, we seem unusually pint-sized on those same occasions. Well, I want to tell you my own experience of this. It was I think almost 10 years ago to the day when I got a call from the condo association where my mother lives, and it was the, um, what would you call her, the, the president, I guess, of the condo association. And she said, in, in a just very quiet, matter-of-fact way, she said, I just wanted to make sure that you know that at least twice in the last week, the maintenance guy has had to help your mother out of her car and into her apartment. And when she said those words, it was as though the earth stopped for a minute, because of course I didn't know that. And it brought up all kinds of thoughts of fear, it brought up thoughts of, you know, oh my God, I don't even know what's going on in my own mom's life. And, and I mean, I think of my mom and I as being very close. And perhaps it was that closeness that made it difficult for her to call a very independent woman living by herself in a condo, right? I think it was her own feelings of, no, I can figure this out. Well, and, and bless her, she had figured it out. It was kind of a strange situation, right? But when she was in her car and couldn't get out, she would flag down someone in the parking lot. They'd go down to the office of the condos where she was living. They'd get the maintenance man, you know? It's like, we've taken care of this. But of course, you know, this isn't the way to move forward indefinitely, right? And so I made a, an appointment to go visit my mom next week. Um, I usually visited her once a month, and that month uh, she was going to get to see more of me than she'd seen in quite some time. And we had a good talk about it. Initially, I was there kind of just checking things out. And sure enough, what I had not noticed was how she would do the dishes. She was like supporting herself, you know, on the edge of the counter because she was having a lot of trouble just standing. 
And when I observed her going about just her business over that weekend, I realized she was in fairly bad physical shape. Not in any particular pain, but just her mobility was very limited. And so I made an appointment to come see her again the next weekend, and we were going to have more of a heart-to-heart talk. And as I was leaving, she confessed to the, uh, to the parking lot incident. <laughs> so we were at least you know, on board with that. And you know what? We didn't make it till the following weekend. I got a call on Tuesday that they had um, sent her to the hospital. And what this really meant to me after I started talking to the, the doctors and the physical therapist was life as we knew it, could not go on that way. She was not going to be able to take care of herself. And so my immediate fear were the ones we just talked about. This is too big for me. I do not have the wherewithal and the knowledge to be taking care of my own mom when she gets home from the hospital. She was a very large woman and she couldn't stand. And the combination of these two things had me in great fear, great fear. So she got home from the hospital. I managed to take off uh, several weeks um, from being up here in Portland. And we began putting our lives together in a new way. And I got to tell you, the thing that made this a happy ending is that I had to really completely reevaluate the idea of who's helping who. Because what I know is, like my mom, I had been raised to be a very self-dependent, a very self-starting person. And when you look at the world from those eyes, when someone becomes helpless, then I was assuming the role of helper, and we were 100% thinking that somehow the two of us could take care of this mess. Do you know what I mean? And that's why the problem seemed so large. That's why I was feeling like the weight of the world was on my shoulders, that it seemed insurmountable. We had to adjust our thinking. And, uh, and it started innocently enough, because, of course, my mom has friends in Newport. She's living down at, at the uh, beach in Newport. She has friends there. And my first week into taking care of her, I realized I wasn't going to make it. But the thought was, well, at least some of her friends could help with the shopping and a few of the other things. You know, even though they are likewise in their 70s and 80s, they have cars, right? They have resources. I mean, I felt a little desperate. And nonetheless, I sat down to her little phone number list and I went through it. And what I discovered was beyond the shopping and beyond the ability of them to physically do for my mom, they were a font of knowledge. They plugged me into the home health care network who came and arranged to, to give her baths twice a week. They, they knew the names of people in town that might be available to do some elder care and, uh, and the Meals on Wheels people so that I wasn't having to prepare every single meal for her. And what we discovered, much to our surprise, is that God was a little bigger than just the two of us. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> It's so funny because, of course, you know, at the time I was in practitioner training, and yet it did not occur to me, it did not occur to me that we had the entire resources of God itself. Somehow I had painted this picture as though here was the victim and here was the Savior and that was it. (laughs) 
Wow, what a change though. And it was just phoning those few friends. And then I realized, we're not in this alone. Oh my God, in the same way that we talk about it taking a village to raise a child, it takes a village to take care of everyone at any age who needs help. It is the village. All of us have a part to play. And some of our roles might be minor. Some of the roles, uh, I mean, I can thank you right now for helping to take care of my mom. You know why? Because you pay taxes. Think of it. Oftentimes when, uh, you know, April 15th rolls around and we owe some money or something like that, we're like, and yet I want to thank you personally. In that instance, you, as taxpayers, help take care of my mom in a way that I couldn't. And everyone from the people at the, the Safeway store locally in Newport there who knew what my mom liked to eat, and you know, she had, these, she had some of her friends wandering down there with grocery lists, right, and, uh, that weren't filled out appropriately enough. And the people in Safeway actually remembered what my mom liked. No, no, she likes the creamed corn, not the whole kernel <laughs> corn. Are you crazy? Here, let me send someone back to get you the creamed corn instead. I mean, I mean, this is the level, if you're accepting of it, to what God can bring to anyone in need if you are open to it. And so I want us to begin examining our lives, not with this idea of separateness, not with the idea of a victim and therefore a required savior, I want us to begin thinking of ourselves more organically, more interdependently, right? More with the idea that at all times in our life, we are both giving and receiving of help and love and money and, and goods and services and, and whatever is necessary for our lives to unfold. We are always, all of us, giving and receiving and so there's no harm in, uh, in extending a hand now and then, when it is in help or whether it is to be helped. There is absolutely God in all aspects of giving and receiving, and it is the pleasure of all of us to participate in this. And so what I finally came to believe through this experience is that it is God helping God in every instance. And when you look at it that way, would God ever deny itself, God, God's resources? Well, of course not, right? It would be like if I, if I shut my hand in the door, the other hand saying, uh-uh, I'm too busy, I'm not going to help you. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's almost a little crazy when we start thinking about ourselves as part of God, which we are. Because when we are in need, we have the entire resources of God itself. In the same way that if my hand gets stuck in the door, we have the resources of all the rest of me to open the door and pry it out. So we are never without what we need to have to get by on this planet. We're never without it. And when we are helping, we are helping someone else as an extension of God. It is God simply helping God. And when you realize this, you can always say yes. Does it mean that you're going to come to someone on the white horse like a savior? Well, I hope not, because you're probably going to exhaust yourself. But what I know is everyone here can take a shopping list to Safeway. 
Everyone here can make a few doctor's appointments. Everyone here can give someone a ride to the doctor's office. Everyone here can make a few extra meals and, and have one in the freezer ready. Do you know what I mean? Together, we absolutely, as the body of God, can take care of any and all of its members now and always. And so when we are called to step up to one of these fundamental and life-changing issues, we can do it easily because we're not alone, because it's doable, because we have not only decreased the size of the, quote, problem, but we have increased the size of the help. We've increased it to infinity and beyond, as Buzz Lightyear would say, right? <laughs> there is no end to the good that is God, and God is always here to help more of God. And so I want to close today with a reading just a little bit uh, out of this book. It's how he c concludes this chapter on, on who's helping who, because it really is God in every case that is helping another piece of God. He says, we're not so much helping out because it's me needing to tend to you. Instead, we're helping out because it's us helping us. The more we understand and dwell on this truth, the more we serve simply in the way of things. If one of us needs help, if one of our arms gets caught in a door, naturally, naturally we use the other arm to set us free. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence in this universe. It is that thing called God, but, but you know what? On today I'm going to call it by another name. It is that thing called love. And what I know about love is that it too is an infinite supply. It's moving in, around, and through all things. It is that love that creates the helping hand. It is that love that makes the way straight. It is that ability to do and to be and to supply infinitely. This is the nature of God through love. And I know it's true about me. I know that my life is infinitely support, supported in the ability to give and to love others. And as it is true for me, it is true for each person in this way, that each one of us can step up to this greater ability to serve the universe, to serve our friends, to serve our families, to serve others. And it doesn't matter whether we can see where it's coming from or not. We simply can step up to serve, sometimes in big ways, sometimes it's just the grocery cart ways. What I know is that love provides and that the people in this room are ever more willing and feeling confident in being that arm of safety, of being that extended hand of service. And I'm simply grateful for it, simply grateful to recognize that there is only one and that the one is always willing to serve itself. So with a lot of love, I release this prayer. I release it into the activity and action of the law itself, knowing that it's good and complete. I let it be, and so it is. So it is. Thank you very much. Thanks for being here today. Thank you.